Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already, and that's not just because you can get access to all 880 episodes of this show, and very easily as well, but you can also watch live races. You can watch all the replays, and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now, uh, the racing app. It's your one-stop shop and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favourite daily racing podcast. You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Monday the 11th of December, just got back in from Hong Kong and safely ensconced in TW11. And the sun is shining here in the UK today, which is rather lovely. What happened over the weekend? Well, where I was, some truly tremendous performances. And for all the local horses, won three of the four Hong Kong international races, they were performances to grace an international stage, particularly the one posted in the mile by the redoubtable Evergreen Golden 60, who's rider Vincent Ho, joins us once again on the show a little bit later. He was also crowned uh, the champion of the International Jockeys Challenge at Happy Valley. Quite a, an extraordinary week for him. Uh, but in, a, in a, a period and over a weekend where uh, the motto might have been age shall not wither them, um, plaudits really went in the UK to not so sleepy. The 11-year-old who made a winning debut as a two-year-old, whose victories include a classic trial in the D-stakes, He's run four times in the Cesarowicz. He's already a grade one winning hurdler. And he won the fighting fifth, the outsider of the four that remained because Constitution Hill and Shishkin were withdrawn because of the prevailing state of the ground. The track had to pass an inspection. Elsewhere, Lucy Turner made a little bit of history by winning the Beecher Chase for Venetia Williams. That was a red letter day for her. And Gary Moore took the bulk of the rest of the card at Sandown with a treble, which included a grade one success in the Henry VIII Novices Chase with the bold jumping Le Patron. Uh, before we come to all the international action and take stock of uh, what happened in Ireland yesterday, which included a comeback victory for El Fabiolo, whose owner Simon Manier joins me later in the show, uh, I'll bring in David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror, who was at Sandown Park. How was it for you, David? It was supposed to be a car that was denuded by absent friends, Nick, wasn't it? And it turned out to be a really interesting day's racing, despite the fact that we had small fields. One thought that was triggered in my mind about uh, Tingle Creek Day at Sandown on Saturday was how the narrative of the jumps r- racing season is 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 rubbish because everything is geared towards Cheltenham. We're, we're so used to seeing big Saturdays as a prelude uh, to a distant day in March. And here was a really exciting spectacle divided into different races and different categories in its own right. And it sounds, this sounds like a ridiculous statement if I say that uh, the Sandown card was the better for not having Constitution Hill there. But you know what I mean. Um, the, the three grade one races were really interesting in their own right. Uh, Jean Bon had to work to beat Edward Stone, but why wouldn't he have to work to beat Edward Stone? Uh, the runner-up was the winner of the race 
last year uh, to the tune of nine lengths. Um, and then, of course, as you say, the, the other supporting Group 1 races, that victory for Not So Sleepy, the 11-year-old, the outsider of the party, was really notable, as was the success of Pat Le Patron in the Henry VIII Novices Chase. He was the 16-to-1 outsider, and uh, as you say, he was the centrepiece of that treble for Gary Moore. So for all that um, the toast would have been to absent friends, it was those who attended the party that really made it. Yeah, and as you point out, made a better story, arguably, as well, courtesy of Not So Sleepy. I had to ring his trainer, Huey Morrison, who often offers pretty good value to ask him about the great horse. And uh, I got a little bit more than I bargained for, as you're going to find out now. We've been lucky to have some some real stars who've, uh, like Alcazar, Tom Paddington, amongst others, who've come back from... Come back from... Uh, a long time off um and um you know this also just keeps coming back for more it's amazing isn't it, it, it obviously our optimism was increased hugely by his run at newbury back in september i think you can put a slight line through the the cesarovich uh they you know the ground was quick enough and i think he just came a bit quick after newbury um and it, you always know when he's in good form when he schools well and he we took him up we usually go to Henrietta night, but it was so wet we couldn't go over there. So we took him over to my, look kindly, my neighbour, Noel Williams. We went up his hurdles, and I've never seen him go, go, go up them so well. So, yeah, that filled me with a certain amount of optimism. I think he's a very strong little horse. Uh, he, he's one on good to firm. You know, he will run, run very well on firm. He won on good to firm at Epsom on that Derby day. So it's not that he. He, it's the fact that he is obviously a strong little horse and can handle it better than anything else. And I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, on that sort of ground, he's as good as anything. And Hugh, it's not as though we haven't discussed this before, but for the owners, Lord and Lady Blythe, to, to breed Quickthorn, Group 1 winner of the Goodwood Cup, and not so, so sleepy, 11-year-old Grade 1 winner, oldest Grade 1 winner ever, in the same calendar year, it's it's nothing short of remarkable, really. Um, what do you think it it tells us about how we should be doing things, if anything? Well, yeah, I sort of I keep feeling with the racing is just coming obsessed with short termism and one or two heroes, and don't actually don't look at the fundamental basics of the heroes around. You know, my memories of, and I'm sure yours go back to to the, obviously the great horses but we look back on red rums and desert orchids who were who were around a long time and if racing focuses too much on short terms and it is, we're absolutely shooting ourselves in the foot you can't buy the sort of pleasure he's given is there something that we're not really appreciating about the versatility of these horses as well that you actually can do quite a bit that you possibly don't think you can because you're too busy pigeonholing them as one thing or the other I think very much so. I think, yeah, I, th I think you have to, you know, going back 40, 30, 40 years, there were quite a lot of horses which went a bounce between the flat and jump hurdling and even chasing. Um, so, you know, everybody's pigeonholed, you know. I'm not a two-year-old trainer. Well, because nobody sends me any two-year-old suitable. But, you know, we train racehorses and we do the best with what we've got. And we don't... Uh, the fact we have 50 horses, we have to think out of the box. If you've got 200 horses, you don't. You just sort of carry on like a factory. 
Now I have to ask: Do you control your own Twitter feed? It's—I I promise you—it's not a trick question. Uh, I—I—I've got a very good guy called Kieran Taylor, who started off life being a a, a small boy going to Ascot to watch his father's horse Sagamore win at Royal Ascot, and he—he he basically done it. Does it? I—I I, I have no no input in it at all. Well, I was only thinking he must do—he must do a very good job because I was looking at the tweet. Um, when he didn't, not so simply, he didn't appear amongst the build stars on show on the front cover of the Racing Post, and there was a, a tweet from Not So Sleepy rather objecting uh, to his to to his to his omission on here. You know, I have to admit that was myself. It, you know, sometimes some things pop up, and I read it. I thought, oh dear, poor Racing Post. They really, they really have shown their true colours here. Well, I did think to myself, whoever Huey's got doing his Twitter feed, he's channeled him absolutely down to a T. No, that one, that one, I just, I should, I should have said, of course, they don't put down legends, should I? The, um, you have to think that the uh, our trade newspaper missed that, missed that sort of basic thing. Shows who are these guys writing newspapers? <laughs> In that newspaper, I, yeah, that'll be the yeah, that'll be, yeah. I've just said that's the last time I'll have anything on ever written about me or my horses. But that's the trouble with our industry. Nobody actually, nobody actually questions people because they're so much. We're all too close to each other. Well, the good news is that you can always be relied upon to shoot from the hip, and that you'll answer the phone when I when I call you. So, uh, for that, much appreciate. I feel like we're disappearing down a slightly different different avenue to the one that we the, that we started driving on. You know, forget the horse, but, but the the notion of this horse is he's a he's a different. He's you know people love him. You know the amount of emails and uh, and sort of whatever uh, uh, WhatsApps I've had in the last couple of days. You know, you realise that there's um there's there's something going on that there which the the press aren't the, the, that part of the press. Our trade press aren't following, but um, anyway, we don't, we don't. None of us really mind. It's just um, we just it, uh, maybe it goes to the fact that who is marketing racing? Ah, oh, well, now you've tapped into the debate of the moment, haven't you? Which we were talking about last week with premierisation and the plaintiff racecourse is saying, well, you're asking us to step up to the plate. We can market so much, but where's the sports central marketing effort to get this off the ground as a as a customer friendly? entity or and a customer known entity before we actually get going with it and it's a question of whether customers either know or care that there's a premium product about to be unleashed upon us uh, insofar as it, it is very premium or it's going to be very premium we shall see well we they don't know the public don't know because we don't actually market our sport do we who is marketing our sport nobody well, we know the who, but we don't know to the tune of how much. So we know that the racecourses will have their own individual marketing budgets, uh, and some of which is quite effective and some of which is less effective. And then we know that the sport has an overarching marketing uh, wing um, of the BHA, Great British Racing. And you have regularly heard uh, Rod Street and others um, saying, you know, that th- this, this entity requires more budget to be the effective marketeer that we we really want it to be um despite some successes along the way yeah they, they, they're just you know they can't play can they they can't play this is sort of as you say i think this is part of what's going to come out got to come out of the 
premierization or whatever you call it. You know, we're put, sometimes you're putting the cart before the horse. What we should be doing is let's let's put away 10 million or 20 million or whatever it is into advertising our industry, and then with the pros doing it, and then them coming up with a plan to promote ourselves. You know, it's it's very ad hoc. Why weren't the BHA four years ago dealing with the affordability checks? I had an affordability check three or four years ago. How did the BHA or the, you know, we have a, a group within the BHA to deal with, deal with um, government. So we sort of segued from the marketing department to sort of government relations. But uh, I, I guess in, in that respect, in the last part of what you were saying, that's a question of being a being ahead of the the game of trying to foresee uh, what's what's going to unfold before it comes and hits you in the face. Well, no, it's not going to be ahead of the game. The the game was up. <clears throat> you know, I had my cap, my my small betfair account closed down because I didn't refuse to answer questions. Or oh, four years ago or something. Anyway, we're very happy with our lovely, not so sleepy, and he's in great form and. Um, God knows what we'll do with him next, but we we pray for soft ground. You could have a champion hurdle and no runners because they're they're frightened of him and heavy ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're put you know they're uh, shaking in their boots in at seven barrows. <laughs> Huey Morrison, there. What started out as a lovely conversation about not so sleepy um, ended up uh, an untrammeled canter through uh, the fields of racing's ills. David Yates, what did you make of all that? Fascinating as usual. I expected nothing else, but particularly the revelation that Huey Morrison had, in fact, intervened uh, to uh, with that that Twitter post about um, not so sleepy taking the racing posts tweet front page uh, personally. I, I have some sympathy. I have to declare some sympathy with the trade paper here. Um, when w- connections win and they say, "Oh, you know, you experts." didn't seem to think much about chances well yeah that's just really the nature of horse racing i remember david ellsworth when uh do you remember when he wasn't so pleased when indian queen uh won a defeated golden horn in 2015 in the jobmont international and you know said oh not one of you experts rang me up well she was a 50 to one shot arabian queen arabian queen i'm sorry arabian queen indian queen of course was the um a different horse altogether arabian queen in the jobmont international um so I have to jump to the trade papers defence there, although it ill behoves me. Um, uh, not so sleepy is an absolutely remarkable horse, as you say, uh, alongside Quickthorn, providing his owner breeders with top level triumphs under two codes uh, from different mares. That is an absolutely outstanding achievement, and this horse is just remarkable to be able to do what. He's doing after such a uh, a long and distinguished career is amazing. And um, as for some other observations there, the of, of the problem with marketing is that we haven't got the money, isn't it? It's 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 it, we we can't bleat about um, ab- about prize money levels and then perhaps uh, say that the 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 sport isn't being marketed properly. Well. There's only so much money in the pot. And if we 
if we market if we spent more money on marketing then those prize money levels would go down even further and and the the voices of complaint uh, would be louder so it, it's a it's a problem with money and you know it just isn't there of course we would like british horse racing to be uh, marketed with more of a fanfare of trumpets and more effectively but unfortunately that takes cash and at the moment we haven't got that to spare all right uh, yesterday at cork at a very very soggy cork el fabiolo began his season in the hilly way and he did the job reasonably stylishly and of course it sets up a potential clash between him and john bond not just in march at cheltenham lest you're worried that we're becoming Cheltenham obsessed, but also sooner than that in the Clarence House chase at Ascot. Now, Nicky Henderson hasn't committed John Bond to that, but it would be the next obvious target for him. Being a grade one race that is fully, what are we, six weeks away, something like that? A month away at least, or five weeks away. Um, Willie Mullins is keen on the project. He was beaten in it by Henderson, of course, when Energumen went down to Shishkin in that epic battle. Owner Simon Muneer, um, joint owner Simon Muneer, I spoke to a little earlier on, and this was his verdict on El Fabiolo's comeback. Yeah, I was very satisfied, Nick. I mean, given the conditions um, yesterday, it was really attritional ground. I mean, they were just about racing in deep, heavy ground. Um, and obviously, it was his first run back. He was giving weight um, all round. Uh, obviously, he's had a, has a higher rating than the horses he was racing against. But I think when all said and told, it was an excellent performance. And what about the prospect of a pre-Cheltenham clash with John Bon in the in the Clarence House, if that's the way the John Bon connections want to go? Would you have the appetite for that? To be honest, I've always, since I've been in racing, taken the view that you have to focus and do what's right for your horse. Uh, I mean, yes, obviously, looking at... Uh, I mean, John Bon's a more experienced horse than El Fabiolo, uh, but one looks at the opposition, but then we have to... Willie uh, will plot a, a program for El Fabiolo where the timings working back from the champion chase work best for El Fabiolo and uh, who comes to Clarence House you know will be delighted to uh, meet them we've got we're, we're sort of the, the less experienced horse I mean John Bond's had more runs than we've had so I hope that there's uh, improvement in um, in El Fabiolo so having said that Nicky felt that um, uh, John Bond wasn't on top of his game yes, last year at Cheltenham so I'm sure he's improved as well so you know it'll be a race to relish and I hope that both horses stay fit um, and come March um, we can enjoy the spectacle what did you make of Ampere Pass's performance in defeat to Chupo in the in the race last weekend He's come out of the race very well. I mean, obviously, it's slightly disappointing. You you can only remain unbeaten uh, once, and he's he's he had he has now been beaten. So I'm slightly disappointed at that. But then you know it was a terrific run, first run of the of his of the season. But anyway, that's all in the past. We have to look to the future. A lot of um, Willie's horses have needed a first run. You know, we were the only speed horse in the race and tactically the cards didn't fall our way that day. To be honest, we're looking at a number of options and we haven't really decided. Willie wanted to, just to see him come out of the race um, and see whether we go to um, some, something over the Christmas period. All right, that was um, owner Simon Munir, or co-owner Simon Munir on El Fabiolo.
Um, and, I mean, his take on it, David Yates, is quite simple. We'll go there, and if anyone else wants to, then fine. But we'll just think about what's best for for our horse. Uh, Ascot has seen a number of these uh, tete-a-tetes over the years, hasn't it? Um, uh, see a name, Altior, Shishkin, um, Enogumen, and now potentially El Fabiolo, John Bond. Nicky Henderson's always in the mix there somewhere, and um, they've often been discussed long after the event. Yeah, indeed. And the most notable of those Clarence House chase clashes, uh, save that after a few pints, um, was the one in January 2022 between Shishkin and Energumen, uh, representing precisely those two stables. And it was an absolute thriller, wasn't it? Um, that day, it was Shishkin that won by one length. And then, of course, when they went to... Cheltenham for the rematch it was uh Shishkin was pulled up very early having suffered from that that uh that that rare bone issue and it was Energumen who won the Queen Mother Champion Chase so I um, it's 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 good news that the Willie Mullins camp are interested in uh in in the, the Clarence House Chase I hope that Shishkin or I'm sorry I hope that Jean Bon will go there uh for seven barrows that has not been inked in by Nicky Henderson, but it would certainly be a um, a, a noteworthy clash. And, and just to, con- to return to what I said a, a few moments ago about Cheltenham being the be-all and end-all, you know, we, we're in this new era or about to enter this new era of premierization and, and trying to uh, buff up the bottom line as far as horse racing is concerned and to make these days more interesting. Well, aren't clashes like this absolutely essential to do that so i really hope it takes place as you would expect there are plenty of naysayers on social media um saying that uh there's more chance of of hell freezing over but let's see Uh, the the interesting thing i think with this nick is that it's perhaps seven barrows that would have the the slightly more negative um uh, recollection of that really memorable clarence house chase uh, a fight between Energumen and uh, Shishkin because, of course, it was Shishkin who seemed to show the battle scars at the Cheltenham Festival. But it um, it, it would be a fascinating clash. I would love to see it. Um, should we have a, a quick word on Constitution Hill? Yeah, I, has it not all been said? I, is, is there anything else to say? I mean, I, I thought you summed it up brilliantly at the beginning of the show um, when you said, yeah, it might have actually been a more interesting day in many respects that he that he wasn't there because you didn't just have a parade at sevens on or eights on or, or whatever it was much as everyone loves to see their stars we've only got to wait another few days to see him and given this unusual set of circumstances the fighting fifth being postponed and the wavering last week anyway it wasn't a massive shock if the ground had gone bad no it wasn't a massive shock I, and I, I i have sympathy with uh, with Nicky Henderson, the 17-day the gap is certainly a lot shorter than ideal. I'm well aware that the likes of uh, Corto Star won a, a Tingle Creek and then a King George in, in the same month. But I, I, I have said this to Nicky Henderson in, in person, and I, I'm uncomfortable with the, the invoking of welfare, welfare grounds for uh, not running the horse. I think it's perfectly acceptable to say that the, the ground is unsuitable and the space is too short so that we've decided not to run. But apart from that, I don't have any issue with, with the fact that Constitution Hill wasn't there on Saturday. And I guess there won't be an opportunity for Shishkin to run into the King George either. So we'll just have to hold our breath at the beginning of that race, I suppose. 
no, he's going straight there, which is not ideal. But as I said to Charlotte at the weekend or, or, or last Friday, um, we might have been lulled into something of a, a sort of false sense of uh, of relief if Shishkin had jumped off in the fighting fifth on Saturday because the, the start there is facing the stands. The start um, for the rehearsal chase was away from the stands, which was a um, an issue in Nicky Henderson's mind. And, of course, the start at the King George is also away from the stands. So we might, and this is just pure spiralling supposition on 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 my part but it might have been that Shishkin would have started on Saturday and then might have returned to re-blot his copybook at Kempton Park on Boxing Day. We ought to give a nod to the good and bad at Aintree the good being Lucy Turner winning the beach chase on Sean Board for Venetia Williams the bad being uh, some recorded brawling in one of the bars during racing that's made it onto social media. Absolutely right yeah Sean Bar, what a horse he's been uh Lucy Turner and Sean Bard, the, the 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 duo for the big occasion, of course, having been successful in the Fort War in Kim Muir Challenge Cup at Cheltenham in March 2022 and returned for that 18 to 1 victory in the Beecher Chase. As you say, uh, Lucy Turner becomes the first female jockey to win the Beecher Chase, which is a piece of history in its own right. And um, I'm not sure quite what uh, relevance that will have to the Grand National. But then again, here am I at the start of the programme saying, let's enjoy today for today rather than looking uh, months in ahead, uh, months ahead. So that really doesn't matter. The The issue of the brawl, that looked very nasty, as they always do, um, those ones on uh, when they're recorded and put on social media. It's, it's normally the same. Lads in suits, presumably uh, having been tanked up by drink or other substances and it looked a very very nasty fight it also looked in a, a, a as far as one could tell and i don't know i i, I, I very I very seldom go to aintree other than to work so i'm not familiar with the 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 bar or the the area where that was but it certainly looked quite a nice area and those scenes were extremely ugly um we'll no doubt revisit that again and talk about uh about a, a police presence and the rest of it. Jockey club racecourses seem to be pretty on top of uh, their brief when it comes to uh, one's entrance to a racecourse. You, you go to any one of those and you, there's a sniffer dog to uh, see what you've got on your person and obviously searches as well. Um, but yeah, very ugly scenes at Aintree on Saturday outside of a, a, a wonderful triumph for Sean Barr and Lucy Turner. And over the weekend, I have been in Hong Kong for the Hong Kong International Races a huge crowd yesterday, three local heroes all strutting their stuff. Best sprinter in the world, Lucky Swainess. Uh, Highfield Princess came in a respectable sixth, but Jason Hart, her rider, saying they're just a different kettle of fish here. Romantic Warrior, straight off the plane from the Cox Plates to come in and, and win a second consecutive Hong Kong Cup, beating Aidan O'Brien's Luxembourg in a Titanic finish. And then Golden 60, what a, what a brilliant performance in the Hong Kong Mile. We've spoken about this horse a lot on this podcast. He's been one of the great stars over the last few years. He's eight years old, seven-month layoff, drawn 14 of 14. His jockey, Vincent Ho, uh, has been, we've been having physio uh, this morning or this afternoon in Hong Kong. Uh, but from the physio table with the, the gentle tinkling panpipes in the background, he uh, he spoke with me about what a day it was uh, yesterday, Sunday. 
Hi, Nick. Uh, thanks for having me again. And yeah, of course, I'm very happy and grateful for the result this week. Uh, you know, can never take this uh, amazing week for granted. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good week. Uh, let's talk about yesterday first of all. Um, yeah. We all knew the, the barriers that, that this horse had to overcome yesterday. Um, when yeah. when the when the stalls opened, he just seemed mm. right in, in the zone and on his game. At what point did you think yeah. it's going to take something very special to beat us here? Um, I'm always confident in in this race. Uh, I know he's best amongst uh, all the horses and I'm not too concerned about gate 14 which uh, you know a lot of people and even owner and trainer also I, I told Mr. Uh, the owner Mr. Stanley Chan to just relax and uh, let me deal with it uh, and I've you know of course done some studying and uh, I'll, for me I'll be ideal to have three wide with cover just behind those layers i know he is fast enough uh you know he always had a really quick uh gate reaction uh you know previous races and also at his trials so it's always the first one or two out all the time and and uh so i'm not too concerned about it uh, it just depends where will uh the gap open up for me to slot in and uh, eventually there, there was and it, it was the perfect position that that I that I have been visualized for for days uh, so no it was good I mean draw 14 is better than draw one and two uh, on, on a big day uh, especially you have a you have a good horse like this so um, yeah what 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 is it about him? Do you think that's enabled him to be so still so enthusiastic at his at his advanced age? I, yeah. I, and 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 to what extent do you think that was just about the best he's ever been? Yeah, I think it's one of his best performance. Uh, you know, age is not a problem as long as uh, we look after them and and uh, they're healthy and. You know, Golden Sixty is a horse that loves racing so much, so he doesn't stress out much. He enjoys it on a, on the turf, uh, and nowadays he he really understands racing since uh, since he's six and seven. Never pull uh, during races. You know, it, it's it's been a long time since uh, last run and. The only concern is he might uh, over-race uh, and, uh, you know, and end up with, he didn't and he was so relaxed during the, during the race and and uh, when I get into the three wide with cover and when he travel that nicely underneath me, I know we're, we're going to win. Uh, so it was pretty early on uh, in the in the race uh, that I that I know. But uh, what surprised me is probably uh, the acceleration he, when I asked for uh, ask him to go. Um, 
yeah, I, I was actually pretty surprised how he can uh, cake that well. Um, and it takes a bit to get you off the bridle as well as get him off the bridle. I, I want to ask you about the feeling for you at Chartin yesterday. It was the first time really he's been able to win a big race in front of a capacity crowd. Uh, because obviously his two previous victories in this race were, were during COVID. Um, give me a flavour of the atmosphere from where you were sitting. Yeah, well, last season in the Champions Mile, we also have a big crowd. But uh, of course, in, in International Day is different. And uh, no, it was, you know, the normally when we are so focused, we, we don't hear the crowd. But yesterday was really, really loud. And, uh, you know, the... the Probably the last 200, I heard, I heard a lot of noise. And uh, coming back, of course, is there a lot of people cheering on Golden 60 as well, which which he deserved. It. And uh, I'm glad he he be out there, see the see the fans, and he can enjoy himself too. Uh, well, we enjoyed it enormously. It was wonderful to be there. Um, and of course, Happy Valley Wednesday night. I can't let you go without talking about that. You won the International Jockeys Challenge, the first uh, yeah. the first um, uh, Hong Kong uh, rider to to do that. Uh, what did that What did that mean yeah. to you? Well, um, I think that's also special, but not as special as winning on the International Day. Uh, of course, the big one is those Group Ones. But uh, International Jockeys Championship is, uh, you know, of course it has a different system, and and it really depends what horses you draw and and what barrier you're in in Happy Valley, because uh, barrier draw is so important in Happy Valley. Uh, which I'm lucky that I draw some, you know, uh, informed horses, and three of them are in uh, in good barrier draw, so. Uh, that that will help me get some points and and uh, yeah, it's competitive of course, but uh, to to ride against all the other top jockeys is great. Uh, to win this is also great, but you know, also with some some luck. Uh, so no, but I'm still 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 enjoy it. Yeah, of course. Well. Um... I think it's fair to say that oftentimes the last few years you've made your own luck. Vincent, thanks so much for talking to me. I'll let you get back to the physio table. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Thank you so much. Well, another man who would have been taking a keen interest in the events in Hong Kong was our New Zealand correspondent, Michael Guerin, because Golden 60 was, in fact, bought from a ready-to-run sale in New Zealand all the way back when. Uh, more of which in a moment. But first of all, Michael has news for us on the star New Zealand sprinting mare Imperatriz, who won the champion sprint at Flemington uh, on the final day of the Melbourne Cup Carnival and we were all thinking about Royal Ascot for her and it seemed as though that's the way connections might be leaning. Uh, what is the latest? So David Ellis, Nick, who is the managing director of Tiaka, the syndication company that own Imperages, have decided that she'll race to Melbourne, where she's been very successful over the Australian spring. Then she'll head up to Sydney, so that's north of Melbourne. And when she gets to Sydney, she'll race in the TJ Smith, a race which Nature Strip famously won three times. She'll do that, and they have said a hard no to Royal Ascot, as much as many of us down here and I'm sure those who have seen her up here would love her to go and she would be very competitive they have said look if we go Melbourne two runs one run in Sydney 
They've also turned down an almost certain invitation to a new race in Perth called the Quokka, which is worth five million Australian dollars, about three million uh, UK pounds. They've turned those down, so Royal Ascot and no Quokka, and they'll try and get a um, favourable deal for a slot in the Everest, which is next next October. So. Sadly, no imperators at Royal Ascot, even after last night's racing in Hong Kong, posed the question, is she the world's best sprinter? Is that Lucky Sway Ness, or is it another horse um, who is not yet in that conversation? Yeah, Lucky Sway Ness doing his bit in Hong Kong yesterday, and I know you'd have taken a keen interest in him as a product of uh, uh, ready-to-run sales down under, and indeed Golden Sixty, who came came out of one in, in New Zealand, and uh, you you got quite quite close to that. Well, Golden Sixty, the guy I do business with is a guy called Sam Beetson, who is the leading uh, pin hooker, as they've called a breeze sale man down here for Riversley Park, and he was there last night. He sold Golden Sixty actually out of the New Zealand ready to run sale. So the Australian ready to run market isn't as mature as the New Zealand ready to run market. And last week or two weeks ago, we had the New Zealand ready to run sales for two year olds who are breezed up over two hundred metres at Karaka. Now that same sale two or three years ago in the case of Lucky Swades produced him for £45,000 £90,000 New Zealand dollars and produced Golden 60 for £300,000 New Zealand dollars £150,000 roughly. Because of the success of the New Zealand Breeze Up Horses when you consider Nick how big the Hong Kong International Race Day stage is two of the four won by horses out of that sale. We recently had the sales at Karaka again, and almost every trainer in Hong Kong was there, including most of their big-time owners. It's become a place they can go to to buy horses they can see run at speed, but without the skyrocketing price tags of trying to buy the best guineas horses out of Australia and New Zealand. So while it was a successful night for many people, including, of course, the Northern Hemisphere trainer, Andre Farb, it was a very successful night for the New Zealand breeze-up industry with two of the four winners coming out of the sale, which, Nick, by Northern Hemisphere standards, doesn't have high prices. Okay, thanks to Michael with his news there. Um, Before we go, David Yates, bit of news on... Lompresse, uh, who we haven't seen for an awful long time. Well, since last year's King George, in fact, when he unseated his rider at the at the final fence, having run a good race, uh, he won't make it there this time. No, that's right. He's about a ten to one shot, uh, or, or was for the King George. Of course, he was in second when he came down at the final fence, unseating uh, Charlie Deutsch there. Um, he, I, I had a chat with his owner. Andy Edwards on Friday. Uh, he'll miss the King George and he will reappear in January. Uh, there is a two mile and five handicap chase at Ascot. I think it's on the 20th, which is a possibility. The Peter Marsh chase at Haydock Park, another one to come into the reckoning, and also the Fleur de Lis uh, chase at Lingfield Park, part of the uh, the Winter Million. So those are the three options for L'Ompresse coming back in January. And if all going well, then a tilt at the Cheltenham Gold Cup, which, of course, he missed last year after suffering uh, the um, injuries that he sustained at Kempton Park. All right. Do you have a tip for me for today? 
I do. We're going to the seven o'clock race at Chelmsford City, the six furlong handicap, and it's Q20 Boy. This horse is ridden by Alicia Perkins, and uh, she won on him over course and distance at the end of September, keeping his form well and is well drawn here. I hope that he can defy a gamble on favourite fantasy navigator. Seven o'clock race at Chelmsford City. Selection is number five, Q20 Boy. Okie doke, Dave. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much for listening. Good to be back on Home Soil. That was Monday, the 11th of December. We will see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.